it goes against uh, the American spirit, in my opinion. So from that perspective, we came to this idea that we should, those tools of titans should be universally accessible to all businesses of all sizes. Welcome to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership Podcast, where we highlight and explore the views of thought leaders and organizations across the tech industry. We're presenting topics on leadership, sales, and trends from our perspective as individuals and, of course, as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership. We come to you with another amazing episode. In fact, halfway across the world. Our special guest, Armin, has personally overseen projects that cover over 120 brands worldwide, operating in over 25 countries. Armin is a published marketer with articles in leading marketing and advertising magazines. He has also served as a professor of marketing. That's right, a professor as well. I don't know how, this, I don't know how he does everything, but he's served as a professor of marketing at the American University of Armenia. Armin, we want to welcome you to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership Podcast. How are you? Hey guys, thank you very much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited. Uh, high energy. I love it. Armin, this is David. I'm so glad you could make this episode with us. I know that we have a mutual friend who spoke highly of you. He said, you've got to get this man on the show. He's an incredible thought leader. He's going to blow your audience away with the things he's going to share. And so we're glad to have you. Armin, Avakian, this is going to be an incredible conversation. But before we go too much into every little thing you do, uh, you have a fascinating background. I mean, Dan mentioned earlier, you're an entrepreneur, you're a professor. Talk about your adventurous spirit, having operated in over 25 countries, becoming involved in a startup ecosystem, building a framework for the company that you're a part of now. What is at the heart of your drive and what is Hexec? That's a very good question. So um, I'm I'm usually the type of guy that I kind of I I like to get things done fast. I'm more of like the, I, in my head, uh, making a decision faster is usually better than taking a very very long time. I don't like to research and I'm, I'm just I, I gunsling a little bit, or at least I used to when I was younger. I'm I'm 37 now, so I kind of slow down a bit. But in my 20s, man, I was a gunslinger, like totally. Uh, I got my first master's degree when I was 21. I got my second master's degree when I was 24. So I was just on fire and like, you know, my brain was going and working 90 hours, 110 hours a, a week and just kind of going through. And all I all I could think of in my 20s was I want to learn as much as possible. I don't want to make money. I don't want to I don't want to change the world. I don't want because I don't know what I want to do yet, like globally. Um, but I knew I wanted to be in business. I knew I had entrepreneurship. I knew I, I wanted to have my own company and have my own companies. Um, but the key, I think the key, key factor was just get as much know-how and knowledge into my brain as possible. And then when I'm in my late 30s, like I'm, I am now, that's when you can monetize all of that. And I think that's what really drove me to those you know, 35 countries. But some of those were insane. I have some crazy stories to tell you guys about. One of the things I, I think is really interesting because you talked about the gunslinger approach, your model for your organization is quite interesting as well. It's the no code point and click business intelligence solution. To me, that seems like, look, I don't want to do everything. I, I just want something quick, simple and click. Tell me how you come up with this model for your, your company. And then 
how does that really actually help organizations to really take advantage of this data? So this is where we came from. So we were thinking, you know, we, me and the other founders, we're all entrepreneurs. Uh, and we were sitting down, we were talking, we we're saying, you know what, like AI is changing the world. And that's obvious. It's already hidden. I mean, we, we, we were talking about this five, six years ago, but right now with like chat GPT and stuff, it's really like taking off. But we knew this was coming. You could see it like in the pipeline. You didn't have to be some genius to figure out that AI is going to take over the world. But we also thought that, you know what, this AI, it's not universally accessible. If you want to actually use the real power of AI and automate, especially automate processes within your own business, then you either have to be a Fortune 500 company that has thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars that they can spend on that, or you need to have you know, a 50, 80, 100 person tech team on hand that can write those scripts and maintain those scripts. And so it's it's not fair, basically, you know, on some level, we're, it goes against uh, the American spirit, in my opinion. So from that perspective, we came to this idea that we should, those tools of titans should be universally accessible to all businesses of all sizes, starting from like the dropshipper solopreneur, all the way to, you know, 1,000, 2,000, 5,000 employees and bigger companies and banks and et cetera, they should all have access to these tools that automate their processes. And that's where that kind of no code, the first thing was, well, then people have to be able to use it that don't know code. Because if not, then you have to spend money. And so no code, that's where no code comes from. And the rest is automation. We just want to save you time. We want, if, if there's something that you do every single day, and a computer can do that, or AI can do that, then it should. It should do that. Because then it allows you as the human to spend time on things that matter more, to spend time on, you know, just give you time to win the day every single day, instead of copy pasting crap every, you know, and it's just, if, if a computer can do it, it should. Because in Amazon and Apple and Google, a computer does those things. No human being is copy pasting data in Google, I can assure you that. So so it just felt like, you know, we want to bring this like universal accessibility component to AI and just make sure everybody can use it in all businesses. And they should, because it also helps the consumer. This is Danny. Uh, and I appreciate you bringing that up. I want to encourage our audience today. Do not be afraid of this idea that you can actually take data, maximize it for your business, and you don't have to be a billion dollar company. This was built for you. You can actually have a bot work for you. There's so much data sources out there that can give you the advantage, the competitive advantage to not only provide better experience for your clients, but to beat your competition. And you don't have to have a billion dollars to do that. You can take advantage by utilizing Hexomatic. This will give you the opportunity to leverage that data, create your own bot to take actionable insights to help you grow. And that's what's so exciting. We're bringing the economy scales down. Bringing it down to the point to where you can take advantage of it. And at the end of the day, all the consumers are very happy about it. Think about Elon Musk and his vision to be able to take batteries and bring it to be so efficient and affordable that the average consumer can have an electric vehicle. These guys have already done it. They've taken the billion-dollar ideas. They've taken that fact that you don't have to have all this money. You don't have to have all these virtual machines. You don't have to have... All this access to VMs into the cloud, they've given it to you today. So I want to encourage the audience, after you hear this message today, go online, look at their platform, and then ask yourself, how can I take advantage of this technology 
to help give me more insight to be able to go in and compete in the market today. So thank you very much for giving that breakdown. I know I didn't talk about all of your products, but I felt like that was the most uh, individual product that stands out for me if I'm a small business owner to make sure I can take advantage of the market today. Absolutely. Hexomatic is definitely the flagship. So that's sort of like the, the engine or the locomotive. Uh, the, the other four, we have five products in the suite. The other, they're all automation products. They're, they're all going to save you time. They're all going to add value to your business processes. Uh, but Hexomatic is definitely like at the heart of, of everything that we do around it because it is the automation tool. It's also the web scraper. And the scraping part is this is what's really important is when we say data, we just don't mean like data that you that you have because companies have their own data. This is how many sold, this is how many you know users I have, this is my traffic. But ultimately, the internet is a data source. But you have to spend hours and hours and hours and hours of researching and copy pasting and trying to figure out what fits with what. And you you don't and you can't. And But again, an AI can, a bot can. So a bot will go and do all of that for you and just bring you basically like a spreadsheet of anything that you want or anything that you can imagine. So tapping into the internet as your own personal data source is extremely, extremely powerful. And this is Danny again. I know Dave wants to jump in there. Uh, I want to go with the flow of this one. So what you're trying to tell me is I don't have to have my own data lake. I don't have to ingest the data. I don't have to apply my own machine learning algorithm in order to be able to, to take unstructured data, make it into structure. Your component, what you have, and what you've built into Google Cloud allows all of that to take place. So as a small business owner myself, I don't have to understand any of that. I can take advantage of that. Is that correct? If you can see it, you can scrape it. And, awesome. Uh, and it's point and click. So it's very, the, the, the interface itself, let me put it this way. I'm a marketing guy, right? So my background is kind of marketing. So I'm coming from that. If I'm using it every single day and I'm actually getting results and it's driving growth and it's driving sales and I'm driving traffic, I assure you anybody who's watching can use the product. We'll be right back after this short break. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why App Meetup and DSB Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, Finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Pigs don't have to fly for you to retire a millionaire. Optimize how you spend, save, and grow your money with the Millionaire Me app. Millionaire Me was designed to help Gens X, Y, and Z become after-tax millionaires in retirement. Even if you haven't started saving, you can get started. Get all the tools that you'll need in one easy-to-use app to get you toward your goal of retiring as a millionaire. So remember, 
Pigs don't have to fly for you to retire a millionaire. Go to the app store, download the app to get started and learn how to become that millionaire. This is David Armin, and I appreciate what you're sharing here. And what I love about this is that it leads to the question I want to ask you, because there are a lot of people that are slow to adapting change and technology, and there's almost this kind of reverse action. Instead of springing forward into it, they hold back and they're reserving themselves to see what happens with everybody else or what's going to happen with that company when they adopt this technology and they adopt that approach. So you've navigated and, and, and maybe this is a question is how do you help organization navigate these challenging, uncertain times in the business world? And the, the acronym that I keep seeing and, and I've heard is VUCA, the volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous times, because the more complex and volatile any industry could be, for example, the harder it is to predict something that's uncertain that's called the future but when you put all these together talk about how you help organizations to understand this to grasp this and then how can we get people to get through this aspect of being hesitant and embracing the change that's necessary the change that is going to help us as a society not just organizationally but as a society really come forward to taking advantage of the technology that's here so every time there's a any any type of big paradigm shift within within like these industrial revolutions for example right there's always hesitance there's always a group there's and usually it's actually polarized there's a group that's like this is awesome we should just you know dive head in and there's a group that's like no no I don't want to and I don't want to change uh, neither group is correct <laughs> it's somewhere always in the middle um, but the reality is that at least this is like from a marketing point of view hypothetically um, you know there's there's these five stages of grief. Uh, I feel like humanity goes through those five stages uh, when something like this happens, right? It's bargaining, then denial, then, but ultimately we get to acceptance because this is coming whether you like it or not. And if you don't accept that fact, you're going to be way behind the curve. But, but I don't want to be, I don't want to go to an area where I'm scaring people because it's not scary at all. So, so this AI you know, revolution that's happening and this industrial revolution that we're right in the middle of. First of all, it's super exciting because this is where the smaller players can actually, you know, shift and move and maneuver. So it's time. They say crisis is a terrible thing to waste, especially if you're the medium player or the smaller player. The bigger players hate it because they know the future. And it, it, the more they can guess the future, the easier it is for them to grow. But the smaller players, now is our time to act. Now is when we can actually, you know, disrupt the big guys. But the key here, the key key component to bear in mind is number one is that AI is not going to replace the human being. A human being that knows how to use AI is going to replace a human being. And that's just very straightforward. So if you don't know how to use AI, somebody who does know will replace you. But AI itself cannot replace you and will not replace you. There might be some little shifts on the bottom, but overall, globally, it's not like AI is going to do your job for you. You still need to do the job. But AI is there as a tool to help you and if you can't use it, they're going to bring somebody who can because it will make you so much more efficient. The second thing is, and I think this is very, very, very crucial, especially since like when chat GPT hit, every, like it's, you know, and it exploded and these fears and it started polarizing. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But the reality is that let's bring it down to 
a normal, normal level. Right. When the cloud computing era started 15, 20 years ago, and we're talking about, well, you're not going to need your computer anymore. You're just, just going to be like a screen. You click and all you need is an internet cable. And then is, you know, everything is going to be on the cloud. You don't need, which is true. But, but see, again, at that time, people were afraid and not afraid. And, but the reality is that cloud computing is an infrastructure. It's not a product. It's just an infrastructure where different businesses and products then started to evolve and grow. And just like ours, we're a cloud computing based company. So everything is done on the cloud. Chat GPT like technologies are infrastructures. It's like roads and railroads. It's not the actual product, it's infrastructure. And that allows for a lot of businesses and a lot of different things to happen on top of that. And I think that's very, very exciting. If you're an entrepreneur or have entrepreneurial spirit, what you should be thinking about is how you can use that infrastructure to actually build your company. Because again, it's not going to replace you. ChatGPT is not your competition. ChatGPT is the infrastructure. Google Cloud is not your competition unless you're Amazon. But you know, for us, it's not our competition, just the opposite. It just creates an infrastructure where then we can start to thrive and grow and prosper. And if you go into it with that mindset, anything's possible. This is Danny. That's exciting. You said something really clear. It's the fact that this infrastructure is there. You have a choice. You take advantage of it and you pull ahead or you fear it and you fall behind. And it's exciting because if you think about the fact that if you had a horse, in, in the day in a buggy, you can get to the market and carry a whole bunch of stuff back. Whereas someone else who had to walk there may take an hour to walk, may have to take components, go back and forth. By the end of the day, they're getting the leftover food. They're getting the scraps, the not so fresh vegetables. So what you're essentially saying is, look, this is the best time right now in history for you to take advantage of the tools. They're not here to necessarily replace you because they can't. A human still has to activate it. A human still has to use the infrastructure. What's the use of having roads and you have a nice sports car and you want to take the dirt roads, the side streets? Use the, exactly. use the roads. You're, whenever you put fuel in your car, believe it or not, you're paying for it. And if you have an EV, yes, you may not pay paying for the gas indirectly, but when you renew your registration, those taxes are, re, are building up the road. So one way or the other, the roads are being paid for. Take advantage and use it. So I appreciate you bringing that up, Armin. What I want to do is I want to segment off of this real quick and let the audience know. Armin, as he, as he stated earlier, is a serial entrepreneur. He's also an educator. If you want to, you can actually go to his YouTube page or even go to his LinkedIn page. You'll see a list of all of his videos that he's done. And these videos, they, they just broad. They help you. If you want to learn about investments, he has conversations about investments. You want to learn about, hey, how do I change my career? How can I take advantage of AI? He talks about how you can change your career. If you want to learn, look, I'm, I'm an expert in what I do. I just don't know how to articulate it that way. Well, he gives you sales skills. All of this stuff is on his YouTube site. And he's doing this because, as you said in the beginning, look, I'm just trying to understand. I just want to understand what the heck is going around in this world. And if I can figure it out, I can help you with it. I thought that was so catchy. Tell me how you came up with this idea of trying to understand what the heck is going on in the world. Because that is so catchy. And I think it's because, one, you're a marketer, right? That's just who you are. But two, as an entrepreneur, we all say that. We're, we're yep. trying to do our best to scale or grow our business. 
but how the heck do we do that? So tell us a little bit about that, that catchy phrase. So the idea there, I mean, it's actually uh, the, the, the inspiration for that was uh, was Albert Einstein. Um, you know, I'm 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 a professor, so I also teach, and that I have that little you know little component. So I was talking. Uh, you know, Albert Einstein has a really good saying, and and when I started to teach, uh, I teach as a hobby, so it's more like I you know side gig, if you will. Um, but it's really cool because I get to every single year I teach the same year olds, right? So I get older, but they don't. So it keeps me fresh. It keeps me like relevant. It keeps me fresh. They ask relevant questions to today. So like, I can't go there and talk about Facebook anymore. I need to talk about like TikTok, right? So it's just, it just, so it allows me to remain relevant and remain fresh, which is really fun. Plus it's an awesome hobby. I mean, some people play basketball, I teach, and it's just, it's something I do. And, um, and I was thinking, you know, we, I was, when we were trying to start the channel, we're like, okay, what we do, Albert Einstein. He has a really good quote. He says, uh, if you can't explain something, you know, in five minutes, then you don't know it. It's very straightforward. If you can't explain it in five minutes, then you don't know it. So the idea behind the channel was there's a lot of things I don't know, but there's a lot of things I want to know uh, and a lot of questions I have that are unanswered. So conceptually, the idea was that we have to research that idea, research that kind of topic to a point where I can explain it in 10 minutes. And if I can't, then we don't do the video because then we don't know enough about it. So some of those videos take, the marketing videos take much less time because it's my thing and I'm in it and I've been doing it for, you know, 15 years. But the ones like the Seven Sisters or the ones about sales or the ones about VUCA, uh, those ones take a little bit of a longer time because we actually have to dig deep and kind of figure out what that is. So then I can package it and actually explain it in 10 minutes. Um, because explaining it in a big concept in 10 minutes, you really have to know what you're talking about. And that's where the what the heck is going on, you know, came from. So shout out to Albert Einstein on that one. I love how you could take an important figure in history and say, look, let's make this relevant. The truth of the matter is you don't know what you're talking about. You're just talking it to the wind. And for my brother and I, when we do public speaking training, because that's my specialty, that's my niche, I often will ask my clients, my students, the companies that I'm training, can you tell me what your presentation is in one single sentence? If they can't, it's either too complicated, it's going to become confusing, or they don't know what the heck they're talking about. You could say what you need to say in a sentence. You could give me a picture because most people will walk into that presentation, they'll walk away. They're not going to remember everything you said. You've got to make that impact. So I love that you do that. And for our listening audience out there, the channel is entitled Not For Everyone. It's the at symbol, not for everyone. And I love that because as a marketer, there's something very catchy and brilliant with that title, Not For Everyone. It's not for you, but then you make me, it makes me feel as someone who's perusing YouTube, like, well, why can't it be for me? So I want to, I want to get sucked into it. And that's what you've done with the channel. And that's why it's a lot of fun. And they're very short. They're very simple. But let's go back to your, your background in education. And I want to ask you this. As a professor at the American University of Armenia, you've done this for, for over 11 years now. Uh, what have you learned from the approach of teaching? Of course, you've applied it to the YouTube space. But how has it influenced your own mindset as a leader in this space, as a marketer, how has teaching translated into business? Talk about the two and how you come together with that. That's a very, very good question, David. Um, so I think the number one skill set that I got from teaching that then I can implement and I do implement on the business side of things is patience. That's number one. 
Uh, as I said, in my 20s, I was a gunslinger. So I had zero, zero tolerance for, uh, you know, incompetence. I had zero tolerance for things that move slow. I just wanted to go, go and move fast. But when I started teaching, that really, really gave me a perspective on, okay, so my job here is the KPI, right, is for these kids to know marketing when they leave. That's the only KPI. So if that is the only KPI, you have to be very patient on how you approach that. So that's, I think, the number one skill that I got. Uh, the other part is more about um, just network building. Um, I have students from 11 years ago that are, I'm still very close with. Um, they're now, you know, top CMOs or CEOs in different companies. They have their own startups or, you know, so this, this network effect. And I, and I said that, I mean, this is a really good story. I told my friends, like from day one, when I started teaching and my friends are like, why are you spending time on that's just such a waste of time. It's a waste of your time. And I say, no, I, I like it. I like it. I enjoy it. Let's just call it a hobby and we'll move on. Basically that's sort of the mindset that was going in. But I told them that this is also a good networking opportunity. I mean, I, I teach a master's degree and MBAs only, so I don't teach bachelors. So the return on investment is a little bit quicker. So because they're kind of, you know, in a, a higher cycle, they become managers faster. But the reality is that I told them it's networking. And they're like, listen, these kids, by the time they get, I mean, where are you going to, it's not relevant. This is like an eight-year investment or a 10-year investment if you're talking about network. But I'm happy to say I'm a, I'm in year 11 now and that is starting to pay back. So I can, you know, I told you so to all my friends kind of situation where I'm like, you know, it's paying out and uh, it's a really good network to have. And I think the third and the key thing is that uh, there's a scientific component to almost every startup or at least every successful startup. Uh, you're in tech. So you have to get that validation on some level, proof of concept or some validation. Now, the ultimate validation, of course, is always the market if you can actually generate revenue because the market will decide. Um, but just in terms of the concept phase, uh, there's a lot of stuff that you learn through the scientific method, the scientific process, um, that part of it. Uh, it's pretty cool. And like, I'm really close to uh, the program chair for the data science unit uh, at the university very close friends with them. We kind of talk almost every time we, we we meet at the university. I talk about our models. He says what he's teaching in his model. So this knowledge and information sharing within the scientific community is relevant because there's always a point where I would say something and he would be like, you know what? That's complete crap. You're just, you're living in la la land. I don't know if somebody will buy that, but that has zero scientific base. You're just talking crap. I'm like, oh, okay. So then I have to kind of, you know, take a step back and redo the work and make sure that what we're doing is actually valid in terms of, because if it's not valid, you can trends and stuff. Sure. But if it's not valid, you're never going to be a unicorn. You're never going to grow to, you know, a billion dollar company. The tech has to be solid underneath it. And that, you know, that university allows me to kind of pick the brains of scientists without being one myself. We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jackowitz of pauljackowitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit Paul Jackowitz. That's Paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? 
Elite Public Image is a leader in strategic communications and marketing solutions, ranging from public relations, brand communications, and content marketing strategy to social media and reputation management for businesses, professionals, and VIPs of all types. Whether you're looking to develop a spectacular brand or need a brand refresh, look no further than Elite Public Image. Visit ElitePublicImage.com and let Elite put their experience to work for you. This is Danny. And one of the things I hear as you're speaking is your passion, the passion to give back, the passion to spend time and educate. You still are in touch with the students today from the very beginning. And that is quite amazing. And being young, you're younger, much younger than David and I, the fact that you have this mindset already built in to give back, the fact that you have this mindset to uh, be able to educate and stay in touch. What I really appreciate about that and what people don't realize in life is that even though the world is a big place, it's really kind of small when it comes to movers and shakers, people who are making things happen. And some of these students, as you said, CEOs and presidents, and they're, they're doing great things, entrepreneurs, they're going to come back to you. They're going to come back to you. And Absolutely. some of them will be partners with you in the future. Some of them will be investors in your own company. Some of them will actually be taking advantage of your product taking advantage of the AI tool to actually help scale their business. So it's quite amazing. And what I really appreciate that it's the ability to care and the ability to want to give back. There's a lot of people who will wait until they're 75, 85, 90 years old, retired, and then want to give back. You're doing it now in your 30s, which is fantastic. And in your 20s, you've not received just one master's degree, two master's degrees, which shows the hustle mentality that all entrepreneurs need to have. So I think that's fantastic. Now- it's a it's a Go grind. Ahead. You got it. It is a grind, and it, 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 it's a huge grind. <laughs> number one skill anybody needs to have. You have to love exactly. what you have passion and just work, work, work towards it. Um, one of my students actually is our our Hexact COO right now. He's our partner, so proves the points. Proof of there concept. you go. One uh, one of the things I, I can't remember who said it. It was um, a great podcast I was listening to. And the guy goes, you know what separates a successful business from a non-successful business? And everyone's like, what are you talking about? It's hustle, right? You, you can have all the skill in the world. You can be the smartest person in the world, the most fit person, everything. You can have all the backers in the world for your business. But if you don't have that hustle mentality, you're not doing anything. If you have the hustle mentality, you're going to go find the money. You're going to go find the investor. You're going to go make the product. You're going to listen to the client. What do they want? You're going to do everything you can to make it work. And then you're going to realize, okay, I took that class that Armin taught. Okay, I know, I know Armin does something. Let me go look at his website. Okay, they do this. I can use that. That's the hustle mentality. Now, your marketing expertise, I just want our, our audience to understand, is that your marketing expertise allowed you to not only to be a professor, but you've actually published in leading marketing and advertising magazines in different countries, not just in one country, but in different countries around the world. Real quick, what have been some of your most memorable projects or articles that you've had an opportunity to share with other people? Would, would you share that with our audience today? Absolutely. So uh, I think one of the most memorable experiences I've had was uh, working in Africa um, because that really put, <laughs> it put us to the test. It was, that's, that's like a, 
That's like playing playing uh, life on on level hard. Basically, it's very very hard. anything that we we take a lot of things for granted. A, a lot, like so much, so much, and uh, so we we end up in Africa, and uh, it's it's we're there for a, a client. So I, we're it's a consulting project, and um, the client is uh, Danone, uh, the dairy, the multi conglomerate dairy company, and uh, they're they're African units. Uh, so West Africa is the is the area. So it's like Nigeria, Ghana, Benin, Burkina Faso, Cote d'Ivoire. So that Togo, that sort of region. It's a global region. So we go there. Headquarters is in Ghana, Accra. We land uh, first time in in Africa. So all of the shots and all of the you know yellow fever vaccination papers. So there's a whole bunch of processes, malaria pills, etc. That you have to go through. But ultimately we end up there, and and we're going through this process where we're our usual sort of consulting process right so we're interviewing stakeholders we're doing this thing we're doing that thing and at one point we realize that we're asking a question and they're like listen but you can't you can't the question is not relevant and i'm like well why isn't it? it's like well because our, the literacy rate is low nobody uh, the majority of the people don't know how to read and write they the and our demographics are completely flipped the majority of the people are teenagers <laughs> And, and young adults, they're not 35, 40, you know, 50 year olds, which is in, you know, Europe or the US. So we're like, um, okay, so we just have to kind of take a step back. We're like, we're going to go to our hotel room and regroup. So we're back to the hotel room. We're like, listen, everything that we have, the whole protocol and the processes, we had to throw it away and then start from zero again. <laughs> because it's really like, if they, if you're doing an advertising, a billboard, very simple. And so there has to be no text. So if there's no text, then how do I how do I communicate strawberry flavored yogurt? Well, put a strawberry on it. We can't do that because by law, if there's a strawberry picture on it, there has to be cut up strawberries in the yogurt. Okay. It's like, okay, then we'll stuck. What do we do? So these types of and then and then that's where innovation starts to fly, but it really put us to the test. Like, for example, the the yogurt packs themselves very straightforward it's transparent so you can see the color so when you ask consumers what flavor do you like they don't say strawberry they say red i like the red flavor i like the orange flavor i like that so they identify by color and not by so but imagine like working in europe in the us in marketing and then going there you're like everything i learned just throw it away <laughs> and we're going back from like basically marketing one from scratch and then rebuilding all of those structures and systems and that was awesome because it taught me a lot and and i'm i'm telling you after after going there a bunch of times i never take anything for granted every time i turn on the lights and the lights come on i'm happy yeah i mean this is david and for those that may not know i did study international business and marketing when i was in college and part of the driving motivation for studying international businesses, I felt at that time that there might have been a preconceived notion of how to do business overseas. Everybody does business the way we do. And yet you can go to different countries and offend and and lose tons of money and research dollars if you don't go with the eyes wide open, ears wide open to learn what is it about the culture? How does it impact the a way we present our product, the color scheme, the words that we use, all this. So I want to ask you from your perspective, what do most businesses get wrong 
about going overseas. It was brilliant to say, let's just make it a clear package. They'll see what that is versus trying to put a strawberry on it. That was brilliant. But what do most businesses get wrong? And then can you tie in the human-centric perspective? Because to me, that's what marketing really is. I mean, it doesn't matter what country you're in. If you come from the mindset of, I want to understand you, where you're coming from, how would you perceive this? How would you see this? Then you put your marketing approach, your marketing strategy has got to be built and designed from that perspective. So for our listening audience out there, what is it about doing business overseas that we can get wrong most often? If you haven't already heard what, what Arvind said here, but Armin, also talk about the human element, the human-centric approach to building marketing campaigns. Absolutely. So uh, actually, when you asked me, what can you do when you, you know, internationally, I was going to say be more human centric, because if you are more human centric, <laughs> then you're automatically going to be within the cultural framework that they have. So here's the key, human centricity. I'm a, I'm a huge believer. This is our entire consulting like team and, and partnership that, that I was in was built around human centricity. So the whole idea was that we need to be more human centric, especially in marketing, but in business in general. And not consumer centric, let's be very clear, but human centric. And there's a key, key difference. I don't want to look at people as consumers. I want to look at people as human beings because they're human beings. And uh, a lot of industries get this wrong, especially telecom, airlines, banks. Those three are probably like the worst of the worst in terms of human centricity. For them, you're just a statistic. You're a number. You're user four, five, seven, eight, nine. That's how they know who you are. And they really don't care <laughs> at all. Everything is demographic based. You're just you're a 28 year old male living in you know Arizona that has this much income. That's that's their perception of who you are. Politics used to be like that as well, but politics very rapidly adapted to being more human centric now, and we can see that. But the human centricity component is very crucial. So uh, I'll give you the story. So this comes from um, uh, Paul Garrison was my first mentor, and we were you know, it, was, it was called Garrison Group, the the company, the the partnership I was in, uh, the firm. And Paul Garrison is a Coke guy, right? So he was in, he was you know he's from the U.S. and he was a Coke guy. He was the CMO, like the marketing director of Europe for Coke, and that's when I met him. Um, but before that, he was you know he came through the Coke ranks, and uh, he he also worked on the new Coke uh, fiasco, uh, the classic marketing case, right? There was new Coke launch, and it just failed miserably. So. But the key here wasn't the new Coke. The key was that what happened after they brought back the old Coke. Okay, everything started working, but then they realized that the marketing system, they realized that there's emotions involved. It's not just products, not just taste, but people love the brand. But all of their marketing systems and all of their marketing structures were built on product, not on the emotion. So they had to build a brand new way of doing marketing. And from that sort of stream, came then Garrison Group and the human centricity. And that's when I got plugged into that system. So the idea there is that at that time, when you say, Coke, what is your segmentation? How do you segment people? He was like, well, we have monthly drinkers, weekly drinkers, and daily drinkers. And you're like, you know what? I've never in my life woken up in the morning and thought, hmm, I'm a daily Coke drinker. No, that's not, it's just not right. Like who does that? No one, no one. I mean, I have... 24 hours in a day, you're asleep for eight. So you're awake for 16. Out of those 16 hours in a day, the majority of your time, 90% or more is spent on either your career, your family, or your friends. Mm. So like the big pieces, right? And then you have things like hobbies and R&R &R and right. 
And then imagine all of those, and then where's Coke on that list? Like the beverage I choose to drink. So it's almost ignorance if you're looking at the, the market through the eyes of your product. Nobody gives a crap about your product and you have to take that into consideration. So it's not about you, it's about them, how you fit into their life. So once we realize that, the next step is, okay, then we need to figure out their life. Forget about our product. So that's what we did. Just forget about your product for a moment. Who are these people as human beings? Once you understand that, then it's so much simpler to plug and play your products as you go along. So for example, the methodology that we used when we were segmenting a country, we wouldn't segment. It didn't matter if our client was a Pfizer or Coca-Cola or Ikea or a bank, or it doesn't matter what the client was. The segmentation was exactly the same because we were segmenting the population based on who you are as a human being. And then we were targeting based on what the product might be. So which target groups are better for which? So the, the actual model itself, it looks identical. It's just one country. This is, this is South Africa. This is France. This is the US. This is, and there's 23 segments in South Africa and 24 in France and I don't know, 57 in the US. So there's, but that is the entire population, regardless of if they're Coke drinkers, not Coke drinkers. So that's sort of like the starting point. And that gives human centricity. I love that. I love that. This is David, by the way. And, and I think that's why I got into that space as a student is I was so intrigued. And my twin and I, we are what I call people of the world. You know, we are born of parents that met overseas. My mother is Asian. Uh, my father's American. And so we like, look, we, we love connecting with people. We want them to feel a sense of belonging more than, okay, why are we divided by our, our colors of our skin or by the tongue that we speak in, right? Let's, let's find ways to, uh, what I call, find common ground. Let's find ways to connect on that level. And then if there is a way to show that connection with what we, quote unquote, do provide service, that's the way we build our organizations. And so when we go in, we're, we're the best in the world. You use the brand Coca-Cola, for example. And there's been studies about Coca-Cola going to different countries and, and some in the Middle East and maybe didn't have as much success. Be, you know, we know all that. But there have been others that have had incredible success. Why? Because they've been able to modify. Every year, my daughter gets into this whole Kit Kat thing. You know, why is it in America we have only certain Kit Kat uh, candy op uh, flavor options, but when you go to Japan, there's like a million of them because different palettes like different things, but they still like the concept of what Kit Kat provides. And so they've been able to make more money. You look at KFC, they've not had as much uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, whether they're known as KFC now, and they try to rebrand in the US. It hasn't had the same type of traction like a Chick fil A, but yet they're thriving around the world, right? So there's different approaches you have to take, but if you have this human centric approach, you're going to have more success or you're going to find out sooner or quicker, rather, if that's going to be a market you should get into. Armin, for somebody who's just got his hands in everything, you got your tentacles everywhere. You're teaching, you're training, you're building, you're starting up organizations, you're, you're raising funding for all the things that you're doing. There's so much going on. So I've got to ask you, how do you balance it? Or how do you find this sense of, of peace when it comes to professional personal life, the ambitions you have, the, the, the sense of I'm still driven for greater things as well. How do you find that sense of calmness, the peace and say, I want to keep going? Maybe you're learning through podcasts, maybe you're learning through books, but how do you find that sense of what I call work-life integration or what you might see as work-life balance? That's a very good question. I'm 
Okay, so uh, I'm married. I have two kids, two two wonderful boys. Uh, I love them very much. I love my wife. So great family. Um, but here's the key. I think here's how I I look at work life balance in general. Okay, so the, number one, uh, what do I want in my life? What's the motto? Like, do I want money? No, money is money is just how to keep score. I, I don't want money. Money is just I want to win in my professional life, and money is just how we know who won. But money in itself is not a not really a goal for me. Um, but in my overall in my life, I want to be happy. So happiness is always my ultimate goal, always. So once I know that I want to be happy, the second question is, what do I need to have in order to be happy? This is where things get very tricky, right? Because then it becomes then priorities, which one's more important, which one's less important. What I what I realized quite early on actually is that I want to have a family and my kids. They're priority number one. My career is priority number one. Uh, leaving a legacy is priority number one. So I have like four priority number ones. And none of them are priority number two. None of them. They're all priority number one. And I know that about myself. So what I do is it's just high motor. I know that I'm, I'm going to reach all four of those things and I'm going to be happy. But I never lose perspective that all four of those things are not just in itself a goal. Just having kids for the sake of having kids is ridiculous. Same goes for a career. And just having a career for the sake of a career, for the sake of money, again, is ridiculous in my opinion, in the way I see the world. For me, all of those things is what then makes me happy. And because I have all four of those, and then, you know, good days and bad days on all sides, right? So one will go up, one will go down, one will go up, one will go down. It's fine. But ultimately, if I have all four of those things, I know I'm happy, which means I'm not waiting to be happy. I'm actually happy now. And because I'm happy now, I have so much more energy and I'm so much more productive. So going in with that mindset just allows me to do everything all the time nonstop. So it's it's just super high energy. And that energy is coming from the fact that I'm happy. And it's coming from the fact that I know that I'm happy and I'm not waiting to be happy. I want four or five things. I'm going after all four or five of them. Some they you know one step back, two steps forward. Sometimes, sometimes you'll fail. Sometimes you'll succeed. All of that is part of life. But the important thing is I know I want all of them. They're all priority number one. And as long as I'm driving towards all four of them, then I'm definitely happy now. This is Danny. When you enjoy what you do and you are passionate and you're happy, it doesn't seem like work. And Absolutely. it is work, but it doesn't seem like work. And I want to tell our audience, look, we all, you have goals. A lot of our audience members are business leaders, entrepreneurs, and a lot of them are successful, very successful. But along the way, be happy, enjoy. Don't wait till you're 90 years old and then you say, okay, now it's time for me to enjoy life. Enjoy the process. It's the grind. It's a tough process. But when you're happy, it's not that bad. You can enjoy it along the way. So I want to make sure our audience understands that and knows that. If you're happy, so many things happen because when you when you go into any situation with a positive energy, that reflects back, no doubt, no doubt. So in the mindset, you talk about that mindset, then everything just starts to happen. It's everything they say, Armin, you're lucky. I'm not lucky. I create luck is an attitude. I create my own luck because I'm my attitude is that that then people think that. Things happen for me, but things happen for me because I go into every situation with a sense of purpose 
and overall a sense of calm. So I know who I am. I'm very comfortable. I have friends. People love me. I love other. And there's people who hate me, and that's okay too. So you know, it's not really a big deal. It's just life. Um, but because I'm happy and I put that out there, then that reflects back, and then people call that luck. Well, we we're happy that you're happy. Uh, when you're happy, you give back. Your students see it at the university. Your two boys see it. Your wife sees it. Your people around you see it. In fact, the fact that you're able to take one of your students and now they're 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 your COO in your company. They see it. Everybody sees it. It's contagious. We see it, and we're halfway across the world from you. And thank you very much for being on the podcast in the evening on your time. We really appreciate it. And and for all the people in the audience that, that don't know, um, one of our good friends was recently over uh, in Armenia and getting a good opportunity to catch up and with Armin. And not only did they get a chance to catch up, uh, but they work together. And the fact that Armin's company and their products are, are basically being housed and ran by Tony's company. So it, it's a, it's a big world. It's a really big place, but it's really small when you have amazing people who want to be around other amazing people because they spur and push each other on. And that's happiness as well. When you know that, Every day you get up and you're going to be around another person that's going to challenge you, that's going to push you, that's going to inspire you, and you love that feeling. You just love that feeling. Now, before we close out, Armin, because yeah. you're doing so many great things, you're a professor, you have a YouTube channel series where you're educating people because you just want to know what the heck's going on around the world. Uh, your organization is giving what I call smaller players the ability to go to battle and compete against the bigger players, uh, the, the ability to take advantage of artificial intelligence. Are there any other special announcements? Because I, I, you have so many great things going on. Uh, please, please let us know some of the great special announcements that you have before we close out. Yeah. So uh, one thing I do want to mention is uh, because of the, uh, you know, we we David asked about you know VUCA, right? So V U C A. Yeah, it is volatile. It makes sense. Um, SVB Bank and etc. So you know things are kind of starting from the pandemic on. Things have not really gotten back to any type of normal. Not new, not old. Just any type of normal. Nothing is normal at this point. Um, but so these these kind of things happen. And you know we founded our company in 2019, so four years ago. And then it was pandemic, then war, then you know shortages in supply chain, and then historic levels of inflation, and then now you know banks. So. But throughout all of that time, one of the things that we were able to do in our company was just be super, super resilient. We not only survived where 80, 85% of startups didn't, but we actually thrived. We doubled our revenue year on year for the past three years. So now I'm telling you crisis is a terrible thing to waste. I wasn't kidding. And I put my money where my mouth is. And one key thing that we did here is we decided that um, we're talking to obviously VCs and stuff in terms of investment, but one of the things that we decided is we want to open up this sort of idea, this automation movement uh, to our community as well, to our user base. We wanted to create a situation where people who want to get involved and understand that we want to bring you know, data and AI down to a universally accessible level and people want to participate in that, now they can. So we, we partnered with Start Engine, uh, and we have a campaign running right now where we have a public offering of our shares. You can actually buy shares in Hexact right now. Uh, I guess you'll, you'll post the link in the bottom, and you know, people can check it out, or you know, go to my channel, DM me, and, and we'll talk. Um, but the key thing here isn't just the fundraising component, because we can always go to a VC and you know, have a, another big 
corporation give us a bunch of money. Uh, but we also want to make sure that we're engaging and involving because we believe that in order for AI and data to be universally accessible, it can't just be from a top-down approach. There has to be a, a, a grassroots movement underneath it to make sure in our community, our user base, I mean, they're awesome. They're they're so awesome. We already raised $80,000 in like 10 days and we're still growing that number. Um, so check it out. If you're interested, pop by that link and... Uh, and you know, join the movement. This is Danny. And if you're interested, you can go to hexact.io for investors. And that's where you can go to find out more about how you can be part of this initiative. The fact that Armin is stating, look, we want everybody to be part of this. You don't have to be a VC firm to have ownership in what we call the next great infrastructure for small business owners, medium business owners, heck, even large global business owners would want to take advantage of this. Because if you can just point and click and there it is that's awesome with over 100,000 users hexact is a software artificial intelligence robotics company that offers an ecosystem of ai sidekicks is what i like to call it to automate your workflows with no code no complex software and no enterprise budget required can you imagine a simple easy accessible way to scale your business we can and that's why Armin is on the podcast today to help you to scale and grow your business. But not only that, you can be a part of it. You can Absolutely. be an investor. You can own a piece of it because this is the infrastructure. It's not just having a brick with your name on it at the ballpark. It's owning a piece of the ballpark as well. So if you want to learn more about Armin and you want to learn more about Hexact, go to hexact.io and then also check out his YouTube channel, Not For Everyone. That is such a catchy phrase. We want everybody to take advantage of it. Armin, thank you for joining us on the Twins Talk Tech podcast. We're so excited to have your leadership, your experience, and your happiness factor, the mindset yeah. factor to where this is not anything, you're not doing anything that doesn't make you happy. You're doing everything that makes you happy. So thank you for joining David and myself on the Twins Talk Tech Leadership Podcast. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, David. I appreciate for for having me on. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk Tech Leadership. Please subscribe, download, and share this program. Learn about sponsorship opportunities and become featured on our program. Follow us on LinkedIn and other social media platforms. Be sure to also give our other program, Twins Talk It Up, a listen as well. We will see you next time in the next episode of Twins Talk Tech Leadership. Thank you.